The following podcast contains strong language and frank discussions of violence. Listener discretion is advised. Well, welly, 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 holy shitballs, everyone. (coughs) I would like to take this opportunity to welcome back the anchor (laughs) and absolute genius hero of the show, Michael! (coughs) Back from the dead, buddy! Oh my god, I fucking missed you! Yeah, it was uh, a little bit of time has elapsed. It's been like almost two months since I've seen you, and man, I need to see that little bald head, (laughs) your little face, man. I fucking missed you so much. It's been, uh, it went from barely five days in between us seeing each other. Yeah, if that, to two months. Yeah. Ooh, I felt so abandoned, Michael. Yeah. I felt like Joni Boney Maroney uh, when you broke her heart and took off running. Joan? Joni's Joni's smiling in the booth, Michael. She's, what? What's that, Joan? She's still fake for those that may have forgotten. Wait a minute, Joni. What is that? She, oh, she's she's she just held up a sign that said, I might have also missed you, Michael. And then she put it back down very quickly. Oh, yeah, of course I missed it. Oh, my God. Of course you missed it. Yeah, I missed Joan it. could be back there f- Flashing your her boobies at you, and you miss it every time. Like it's yeah. just the kind of guy you are. Yep. Too polite. Too polite to <laughs> even notice when girls are flirting. Yeah. Well, that is my best friend in a nutshell, guys. Yep. Well, it has been an awfully long time. It really has. And an awful lot has happened. Not in my life, obviously. I've just been sick, but just in the world of <laughs> in true the world, crime, man. In the world of true crime, things have been a happening. A popping off. Yeah. As we say in. Uh, one, the of, ghetto, uh, the one of our we won't sing anymore because i don't know how oh, all right the, uh, what elvis is elvis is gonna <laughs> fucking sue us come on i don't know um one of the the favorites of this show to talk about the murder trial yeah. has been underway and, as and, my co-conspirator <laughs> nancy grace yeah. likes to call him murdog hey she does this thing that's so condescending, but I love it. It's so petty where she will, within the same span of the same episode or within a short amount of time, will pronounce your name yeah. correctly, but then also incorrectly every other time. And it's just kind of a subtle, like, kind of fuck you to the person. I'm not going to make a Parks and Rec reference, but I have to. Ron Swanson would do the same thing. Yeah. When people were getting too chummy with him, <laughs> he would intentionally call them by the wrong name to back them off right <laughs> like, she will say murdaw she'll say alex murdaw yeah. or then she'll say alec murdog <laughs> she'll say murder like it's hilarious However worked up she is at the oh moment. and i'm taking a page out of that book from fucking now on let yeah. me tell you something if somebody comes up to me you come up to me you piss me off and i'm gonna go what's up mikhail <laughs> like i'm just gonna pronounce your name wrong it's like people with kamala harris you know how to fucking pronounce it yeah you know how to say it you're doing it on purpose. Harris isn't that difficult to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Mike, let's... Um, yeah, they've l- been live streaming the trial and Joanne's oh, been... Oh, uh, please, God, Jesus. ...in and out of, of watching those feeds, so... I've uh, fallen asleep to watching it on YouTube. I've been literally falling yeah. asleep to it. And then I just have crazy heist streams. Well, that's the story for another day. <laughs> but let's talk about let's a few... Let's fill in the crowd on yeah, what's let's going just... on down in South Carolina. Uh, nobody knows what the fuck is going on in South Carolina, but... <laughs> A few things that have come up in the trial, okay? The defense attorneys. Now, <laughs> Alec, are. Alex, Murda, Murdog. Yeah. 
clearly has fuckloads of money. He's got all this. His family name has all this cachet and all this bullshit, right? He's got cash and cachet. The cash and the cachet. Um, and there's always money in the banana stand, Michael. Um, <laughs> for those of you who don't get that reference, probably listen to another show. Anyway, um, so he's got the defense attorneys that money can buy, Michael. And they are fucking, they are fucking dumb as shit. Because yes. here's the thing. Let's say, Mike, you killed someone. Okay? This is a hypothetical. Allegedly. Allegedly. And I am over here. I'm the prosecutor. Because certainly I'm not going to defend you. I'm going to nail you to the wall, Bubba. Um, <laughs> Can't wait. And I, I bet. And then I am like, well, judge. Michael is a terrible friend. Michael is irresponsible with money. Michael broke Joni Boney Maroney's heart, and he's just a he's just a cad, right? I would tell my lawyer to object, but you've said no untruth so far. Okay, <laughs> but the judge is going to say stop. Let's recuse the jury. Get these guys out of here, and they're going to go. Hey, listen, lady, he's on trial for murder. Yeah. He's not on trial for being a shitty friend. Yep. He's not on trial for fucking taking advantage of people's money. And he's not on trial for breaking hearts and taking names. Okay? Because right. if that was the case, he would have been in jail a long time ago. <laughs> anyway, right? You can't bring up sort right. of character flaws right. Right. as proof that you committed a crime. Because they're unre- it's, right. it's irrele- irrelevant. It's okay? difficult legally to draw that line. Just because you might be a shithead boyfriend doesn't mean you're a murderer, right? right? You could be the best boyfriend there ever was and be killing shit tons of people. Shitloads of people, right? (laughs) Mike, his defense got some witnesses up on the stand. Character witnesses? They, (laughs) yep. And they, the defense, started asking questions about Murdoch, Murdoch, embezzling money, mm. stealing money from clients. Did you know about this, this, and that? Oh, bu- 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 whoa, Bubba. Because now... You've opened the, the prosecution door. prosecution goes, uh, pardon me, judge, pardon me, 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 ooh, 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 I have ooh, questions. Ooh. Like Horshack, ooh, yeah. ooh, 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 <laughs> Mr. Carter, pick me, pick me, ooh, 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 right? If you guys don't know that reference, probably listen to another show. But anyway... <laughs> I was going to say, if you didn't get the Arrested Development reference, you were too young for this show. You're but definitely not going to get a welcome back Matt fucking Carter, Carter reference. Um, Mr. Cate. Oh, Mr. Um, so I am also technically too young for that reference. You sure just... are, but you're also 150 yes. in spirit. Right. So the prosecution's like, oh, buddy, 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 buddy. And Thanks they go, our job hey, us. now we can introduce all of this fucking evidence of what a cretin this guy is, or a cretin, as soon, if you're Mike. Well, that's uh, that's a Monsters Inc. reference okay. that I won't make. You're definitely not too young. You're not too young for that one. Um, and so they, prosecution, start calling up the CFO mm. of his law firm, Ruh-roh. who is the one who discovered that he was stealing and fucking fucking over a bunch of people and embezzling money. And let mm. me tell you something, this lady was pulling no punches, okay? She was just fucking mm, 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 nailing it, nailing it, letting him fucking have it. Well, as anyone probably would, being the CFO of a company that one person single-handedly is probably blowing up as we speak, I'd be a little miffed. They were not happy. No. So they started asking her, when you 
found out and you started telling other people, she said, first of all, I was sick to my stomach because I believe she went to like high school with him. Like she's known him a long time. Yeah. Okay. But she was asked something about like, so when you found out he was doing all this stuff, you called a meeting and she said, yeah, because what he was doing was not only illegal, mm-hmm. but disgusting. Right. And we collectively wanted no part of it. She was not yeah. leaving room. She was yeah. up his fucking ass, like, and I was there for it. Let me tell yeah. you, I was fucking like, yes, bitch. I mean, illegal, yes. Immoral? But, you know, embezzling funds intended for the sons of a housekeeper that you definitely killed. Or your son pushed down the fucking yeah. steps. Yeah. yeah, and just not giving them that money. Right. Illegal or not, how can you just bear living with yourself yeah it's fucking gross it's fucking gross then uh if that wasn't bad enough um they had an elderly woman who was his mother's caretaker Mm -hmm. um because his mom had dementia yeah Yeah. she's got dementia and so this lady has worked with the family for like a number of years she's very close to family obviously Mm -hmm. this poor lady on the stand they were asking her like you know, when his family got murdered, you know, Maggie and, and Paul, yeah. you know, she said yeah. that he came to the house very late that night for 10-ish, 15 minutes. And then weirdly, the fucking next morning was like rapping on the bedroom window at like 6 a.m. to be let in, first of all. You don't have a key or whatever the fuck? You're knocking on your mom's bedroom. She's got dementia and these hours yeah. are weird. You can't be fucking up her routine. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and the, so the, 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 the caretaker, she goes, lets him in. And she said he's carrying either a blue tarp or what looked like maybe a raincoat. Like that's tarp material. Mm-hmm. And he was sort of holding it as if something was wrapped in it. Now people are... I almost made a Taskmaster reference there. That would have been way too Way inside. too deep of a cut. But <laughs> people were postulating that Maybe the rifle that was used, maybe yep. he had that wrapped in, whatever. And he went up to this random bedroom because apparently she's probably lived in a big ass house yep. that probably, probably part of the house is closed off. Because yeah. what is a little like ninety year old lady with dementia? She right. doesn't need forty five rooms, right? And this money didn't start with Alec, Alex, whatever. No, of it's course not. Oh, money. it's been so generational she, yeah. wealth. Yeah. So okay, so know, it's a the bedroom fact that, she's that got a big house. Sure, is no surprise. That nobody goes in. So the the caretaker never went up there to look because why right. would she? Right? She was probably expressly forbidden from it. Probably. Yeah. So they go to at the same time. The dad passes away. This all happens right around the same time, right? Yep. Like like within days, right? She goes, obviously, to the wake because yep. she's, quote, part of the family. Part of the family. He weirdly, hmm. randomly at makes it At his father's a, wake. At his father's wake. <laughs> yeah. Comes up to this caretaker and just casually goes, you know, I was at my mom's house for like 30 to 40 minutes last night. Right. <laughs> and she's like, Okay. Also, okay. This didn't strike me the, when I first heard this, but it just struck me now with your retelling. We just established that this is generational wealth. They have power in the community. Obviously, that's why this story is as big as it is in the first place. You have to imagine this guy's wake fairly well attended. Oh my god. There's so got to be hundreds this. and hundreds and hundreds of people there. Yeah. So he's doing this way out in the open. 
Right. He does not give a no, shit. No, but also, if you're at your dad's fucking wake, dude, yeah. are you just randomly trying to cover your ass for the thing? I'd be, not my dad. If my, if my dad died, sayonara. Well, yeah. uh, fucking vaya con Dios, buddy. But Bye. You didn't, you didn't but if it was my it. mom or something, I'm not, I'll be, I'll be lucky if I get words out. Yeah. Never mind. I mean, the, she drives me, I love you, Donna, but <laughs> she drives me nuts. But I would be devastated. Not a far journey. I, I would be devastated. <laughs> yes. huh? And th- thank you for uh, clearing that up. Yeah. But so he drops this statement and she's like, okay. okay. <laughs> and then he says, I heard you're getting married. Weddings are so expensive. Hmm. Let me, I'm going to take care of that for you. Now, how magnanimous is that an overt threat? No, no, no. Is that a subtle, you better keep your fucking mouth shut. You bet your ass. Right. Or at least that's the way I'm viewing it. It's not blackmail. It's bribery. That's the, (laughs) as soon as she accepts his help. Well, now I own you. Well, if she accepts his help. That happened. Right. And she was so weirded out by the last few days Hmm. she calls her brother who's the chief of police in another county and just says something's not what am i supposed to do something's not right bro right something's weird so (laughs) broheim so she's on the stand this poor lady and they said you know he said that he'd been there for 30 40 minutes is that true and she was like if he was there it was maybe like 10 minutes and what did you, he did he make you aware of what he wanted you to do with that information? Like in other words, did he tell you that because he wanted you to then relay it to someone else as evidence, evidence of a yeah. of an alibi? alibi? Okay, and she said no, he didn't. Then he then followed it up with this wedding bullshit. Yeah, and then this poor lady starts to she got so choked up she could barely. This isn't at her parents' funeral. <laughs> She's, she got so choked up, she could barely get the words out. Mm-hmm. And the prosecutor said, why are you crying? He felt so bad. Yeah. Why are you crying? And she said she couldn't. She was choking the words out mm-hmm. because they were a good family, and I really loved working for them, and I'm so sorry that any of this happened. This poor woman. Right. This is somebody not involved in any way on any, any side. At all. And she's more emotional than this motherfucker 24 yes. hours after Merck and his own family. Yes. Like, I felt so bad for this lady. Yeah. My heart was breaking. I was like, ooh, this motherfucker. Oh, I want to get my hands on him, right? Fry this mother. Also, his best friend from when he was a kid somehow said something to him, wanted him to be his attorney. And the guy was like, no. He's like, I don't feel comfortable being your attorney on this i'd like to just try to try to be your friend through this and another guy that he is also friendly with who was going to start looking into all this bullshit Mm -hmm. murdoch came up to him and said let's say it's you hey mike i'm coming up to you hey mike what's this i hear about you digging around in my background i thought we were friends Mm. he said the friend this friend said back to him we are friends, but if you don't think that I will burn your house to the ground with evidence that I find of your wrongdoing, then you don't know me. Because I absolutely, those are the words he used. Yeah. I will absolutely burn your house to the ground if it's deserved. And I was like, can, <laughs> slow clap, slow clap. Like, yeah. that's someone with fucking integrity. Like, you're my friend, yeah. but if you're doing heinous shit, I'm calling you out. Which, it was fantastic. Yeah. Seems to be more than a couple. I was jazzed up. 
seems to be more than a few of them caught up in the orbit of somebody who very clearly has no no morals. But this will be a nice little segue. Uh, those are exactly the kind of people that those without morals tend to attract. Mm-hmm. Segway champion. Cha-ching, cha-ching. And this is why Michael's the anchor of the show, because he keeps everything on track, baby, as well as being just a little piece of ass. Okay, I'm going to edit that part out. <laughs> uh, there was a three-part documentary on Hulu. Stolen Hulu. Youth oh, inside me. the Sarah Lawrence <sighs> sex cult. Dude. <laughs> Larry Greco slash Larry Ray if I get my fucking hands around your neck. Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't be able to go around. Oh, his he's big, just a fat fucking... fucking yeah, he's a bull. What guy. a what. Yeah. I hate him so much. Uh, so... There, the first two episodes, roughly with with a little bit less of going into Larry's. And if you want more info, Michael did a very very well informed deep dive, and we have a two part, yeah, a two parter podcast that's available. You can go back and check that out. Yeah, the first two episodes basically fall in line with our part one. Mm-hmm. Our part two goes much further back into his history, his history with Bernie Carrick, how he got involved with Gorbachev. That stuff becomes incidental right. in the in the telling of the documentary because they're less concerned about telling the story and more concerned about the cult members themselves. I thought I liked that. Yes. Because a lot of times we do focus on the perpetrator and the victims while they're still involved in the orbit of the story. Yeah. And I don't wanna and I don't wanna use this word, but they're not the star of the show, so right. to speak. Right. And we sort of glamorize, in for good and for bad, these perpetrators, and the victims sort of get lost in the shuffle. Yeah. I mean, even going back to the, the Hunter Moore documentary. Yeah. Even though everybody that was interviewed were victims or people who knew him, he wasn't there, but it was all about him. Sure was. This one, Stolen Youth, obviously Larry's at the center of it, but it is much more the story of Santos... Felicia and Yalitzia and that family and how they got sucked in, escaped, came back together. Destroyed. Yeah. So the first two episodes are well done. It's well produced. But the third episode is the game changer episode if you are still interested in that story. And And I will say this, and I generally don't throw out disclaimers we're all grown-ups and you make your own decisions however i will say that there is a scene or two yeah there's two specifically that i'm thinking of i think they're both well at least one of them i know is in episode two one um is was it it wasn't gabe it was um dan dan yeah and he is he had this kid's tongue in like Mm -hmm. a pliers and then he's beating him with a, a fucking mallet, like a rubber, yeah, a rubber mallet. mallet. Yeah. He's hitting him as hard as he can. And this kid is standing there and taking it. And I tell you what, I was picturing it being my son. And Michael, I was fucking livid. Mm-hmm. I was I was pacing around this apartment. I was livid. And then another scene that got me fucking going was, I believe it was Isabella. Yeah. And he's trying to push her out of the house and making it seem like she's oh, acting fucking crazy. Yeah. And his fucking pants ass crack is hanging out. Yeah. And he says something. That's episode He's three. saying... Isabella, that you can't behave like that. Yeah. Like almost like scolding her. He grabs and he her. Sits on her. Yeah. He grabs her by the head of the fucking hair, and he yeah. starts shaking her fucking head, and then he bashes her in the face. Yep. Mike, right back out the door. Yeah. 
That's episode three, by the way. I was not okay. No. I wanted to be like, can I put my name on his fucking visitor list and somehow go pay him a fucking visit? That's how ripped up I was fucking over that because this guy is so disgusting. Mm -hmm. So if you... So watch it again with a little bit of caution. Yeah. It's definitely something you should be informed about, especially if you have college-age kids. Yeah. Um, but some of the scenes, and they left a lot of stuff out. A lot of stuff. A lot of really bad out. stuff they left out. Yeah. A lot of stuff that I did include. So there are details right. in it that you can hear about on our episodes that aren't in the show. And there's stuff that I left out right. that aren't in the show either. Because so they're just really bad. Yeah, there is some... Rotten shit at yeah. the core of He's this just story. a rotten <clears throat> fucking to the core. And even though the first two episodes are more or less the general gist of the story as it is known in, in pop culture, we watched those first two episodes together but apart. Right. And I texted In our standard you, fashion. Yeah. And I texted <laughs> you at one point and I said, how outrageous is a story that you know all of the details of and more and still when you see it, it sickens you like it's the first time. Right. Because this idiot it's still also so shocking. took it upon himself to audio and for the most he part video record all of this stuff. everything what that happened. Fucking wacko. So it's all in his Because voice. he was probably doing it and then getting off on this oh, fucking yeah. power trip and watching this shit back. Yeah, because if you watch his face in a lot of these, there's a moment where Felicia, You can almost see glee. Yeah. There's a there's a moment where Felicia is in the middle of an absolute breakdown this is a woman who was in her residency as a psychiatrist she, she graduated got a full boat to harvard and columbia and columbia full boat yeah uh this is not a, a, a dumb person this is not a weak person he broke her oh, from three thousand miles away watch the you know watch the show to, right. to see how it actually happens but she is falling apart yeah physically everything she yeah. looks like she just crawled out of a, under a rock yeah, she doesn't look like a no, person. No, she doesn't anymore. even look like herself. Yeah. Uh, she looks like a wraith in a lot yeah, of stuff. Yeah, she does. Um, but there's a moment where she is just apologizing to him and saying, I love you, Larry. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want, like, and he's convincing her that she's sabotaged him in some way and is part of the poisoning plot and all of this bullshit. And he's hugging her and he, she is burying her face into his chest. And he's trying so hard because he knows Isabella's recording this. Yeah. He is trying so hard. To have a, a straight face. You can tell he's trying to turn down the corner of his eyes and his mouth to be like, oh, I feel so bad for you. You're going through this. No. He's so you gleeful. Tell, he's so gleeful. You can tell how much of just an absolute piece of shit this he's guy is. He's such a... Oh, I don't you even know. know. I don't even think there's so a word excited. for yeah. him. He's like a worm, you little yeah. fuck. Like, oh, I hate him so much. I yeah. literally fucking hate him. And I never met him, thank God, because the, I'd probably deck him in the face. Yeah. But the interesting thing, and and why, especially the third episode, is well worth checking out, the producers do their best to approach it without an agenda. So they actually get Isabella to talk to them. This is after Larry gets arrested. So she's in the thick of it. Right. There's a point where she hasn't been named a co-conspirator yet, uh, and they're talking to her, and then they talk to her again after she gets named. Yeah. And they maintain access to her until kind of the end of the of the show but you hear a lot of this stuff from the perspective of somebody who thinks they didn't do anything wrong and then you have felicia's perspective 
and you see her realize how wrong it was. Yeah. It is It's really scary. Heartbreaking. It's scary. It is, it is terrifying. Because she's literally telling a retelling of something that happened and then she, you can see her her you can tell she's really still dealing with her mental health because her eyes dart around. Yeah. She kind of, I don't want to call it crazy eyes, but she's got a little bit crazy yeah. eye going on. And she's telling the story and she says, no, wait, I have. To, I want to change what I'm saying because that's yeah. actually not true. That's what Larry told me was right. true. She but I know has, that's not. And she literally sort of, you see it happen yeah. and it's terrifying. Yeah, she has no conception of what is true. She anymore. doesn't know what's real and what's not real. There was a moment where the producers asked her, and this is before she kind of, made more breakthroughs with herself but it's early on in her breaking away it's i think after she breaks away from isabella because there's a moment where her and isabella are still living together after larry is arrested but there's a follow-up scene a few weeks later felicia's moved out and she's on her own and the producers say are you having trouble remembering all of this stuff and then they ask her as gently as they can do you remember meeting bernie carrick now this right If this happened, it would have happened in her childhood based on the timeline that's been established. She says unequivocally, yes. 100%. That is definitely something that happened. I remember meeting him. And we we all know that 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 is absolutely untrue. Um, The one, it's not a weak spot because I wouldn't, if I were her and had gone through everything that I went through, I probably wouldn't have participated either, especially given the timeline of everything. Claudia is not... Claudia's not interviewed. In no. She's obviously mentioned and, and what she goes through. And well, she was the video one that and, was getting yeah. raped and beaten and being forced to sex traffic herself for yeah. millions, millions of dollars that he then took from yeah. her. So at some point, I'm sure once she... Maybe she'll eventually she, yeah. tell her own yeah. story. When she goes through probably decades of therapy yeah. to, to... If she can ever... If she Right, if she can ever she come can back. She can ever even do it. there was, I mean... I just can't imagine the trauma. I mean, yeah. we've all had our traumas, okay? Yeah. Like, but, but this Jesus was Jesus Christ. This was a decade of repeated yeah. intentional yeah harm. Yeah, and this was this wasn't in every sense of the word. Yeah, this wasn't a negligent parent or which Isabella had one um, for yeah. sure. But um, this isn't somebody who's just not doing their best. He set out. To call this group of people together, right. cut them off from the rest of society. To what end? Other than the power, no one really can tell. The money, because they were all yeah. doing things for him to make money. He would say, oh, you broke my stove, which wasn't broken. That's right. $800. And they were fleecing their parents yeah. for money. So he literally was just utilizing that's, them that's as like he, cash cows. Right, and that's how he got Claudia sure. involved in sex trafficking. because. Right. There was Some no slight way. that she owed yeah. him, and uh, he he said, "quote and I quote, mm-hmm. you're the herder, yeah. and I'm the victim, victim. here." Right. What? Yeah. The first of all, the herder. Yeah. It Get is, a fucking grip, guy. It is some of the most sickening footage you will ever see, yeah, and it's, it's just true. people talking. Mm-hmm. Um, so that check out fit. the <laughs> the law. I mean, there's probably other feeds as well, but mm-hmm. the law and crime feed on uh, YouTube for the Murdoch trial, Stolen Youth, which is also the name of the New Yorker piece that kind of set off the whole investigation, mm-hmm. which Larry participated in, lest we forget. <laughs> he uh, mm-hmm. he is why this all fell apart. Um, that is on Hulu. All three episodes are available now. We'll make it a, an official recommends. Mm-hmm. Um, but so much more. 
but we've been going for about half an hour, so we should probably jump into the main Let's story. Let's jump in. And both feet, Michael, because I've been waiting all my <laughs> life to get back to this podcast with you, baby. So I went a little different okay. this time. This is the story of the Boston Strangler. Question mark. Strangler. Yeah. Question mark. Okay. Okay. So for this episode, I decided to switch it up and mm-hmm. go with a case that is definitely well known, that, or at least around here in the sure. Maryland area. Uh, I'm going to go over the details of the case and we'll discuss some of the more controversial parts of the story. There was a podcast series released in 2016 called Stranglers that dives into each victim and the viability of the main suspect as being the suspect. Okay. But we're going to do this story the Murder Monk's Friends way. Okay. So I listened to the Stranglers back when it came out. It's pretty good. Um, It was still in kind of the early days of of news organizations putting together these larger podcasts. So it's not the best, uh, but there's a lot of information in there and the the host is, is... not unpleasant to listen to, let's okay. say. Um, so if you want to check it out, I think it's like a six-part series. Or you can just listen for the next 30 minutes and get basically <laughs> And get the bullet notes. Yeah. yeah. Between June 14th, 1962 and January 4th, 1964, 13 women were murdered in and around Boston. All of the women were single and ranged in age from 19 to 85. Jesus Lord. So just anyone. Could have been anyone. Well, <clears throat> except for that's one children, of the first I guess. controversial parts of this story. <laughs> okay. Because I'll just keep going. Okay, keep going. <laughs> Most were attacked, sexually assaulted, and strangled in their apartments. However, the wide geographic area for the crimes, the nearly 70-year age range of the victims, right. and a varied MO make it seem pretty obvious, to me at least, okay. that this was not the work of a single perpetrator. Now, you do recall yes. that during one story, yes. we were saying, you were saying, no, killers have an MO, they stick to it, and that's the end of my story, and I'm sticking to it, yes. like a like a serial killer. Right. And I <laughs> said, um, what if my fucking MO is never having the same MO, so you can't pigeonhole me and then blame me for all of these crimes? Right. And the we only... had that disagreement, remember? Yes, and the only kind of argument I can use to buttress that point is if something works and you get away with it, the instinct to do it again so you can continue to get away with, I feel would be strong when you know you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing. Because if you knew you, sh- if you didn't know you shouldn't be doing it, you wouldn't care about getting caught. Exactly. So if in the interest of not getting caught, you start doing certain things and it works out for you, then of course... I would think logically you're going to continue to do that. Right. And that is where we differ as serial killers. Right. (laughs) Allegedly. Allegedly. That's not to say there was a cabal all working cahoots. It just seems like multiple cases all got lumped into this Boston Strangler bucket. Right. When they should have been given more scrutiny. I'll go into each victim in a minute, but there's one part of the investigation that always makes me roll my eyes whenever I hear about it. Because the crimes weren't localized to one area or even the city, mm-hmm. that complicated jurisdiction. Blah, Which blah, is blah. why that's a thing, but okay, because yeah. uh, can we all just work together and get things solved? But As such, the Attorney General for Massachusetts at the time, Edward Brooke, coordinated the various law enforcement divisions involved. So Boston, Lawrence, mm-hmm. all of these cities all kind of reported up to the AG. He also, for some reason 
decided to allow parapsychologist Peter Herkos to use his, quote, extra sensory perception no. to analyze the cases. No. Don't get me wrong. Do I believe in extrasensory perceptions and these, uh, what some people call a curse, but some call a gift? Yes, because I do have a history of these type of things that run in my particular family. Mm-hmm. But in general, do I think that some psychic is going to come out of the, as we all know, Mike, those clairvoyants lost <laughs> yeah. all, those all those heads, heads of yeah. that family, and which is so ironic because yeah. they're clairvoyants. <laughs> but... Do I think that these rando people that come out and go, I think your son is buried in a field near yeah. a river. Like, yeah. get the fuck out of here, dude. He's cold and yeah. wet. Oh, yeah. so oh. he's outside. So Great. he's so he's but so he's cool. dead is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Herkos was one of the first to claim that all of the killings were the act of a single perpetrator. Okay. So we have basically this guy to blame. Even at the time <laughs> But he's not even he's not yeah. even law enforcement. Right. Even at the time, that was met with some skepticism. Okay, good. Herkos gave a, quote, minutely detailed description of the wrong person, <laughs> which obviously took some of the shine off the AG in the press. <laughs> right, right. However, even though the press and, to their credit, most of the police were not convinced by Herkos or his theory, much of the public did buy the single killer theory. And that's why the myth of the Boston Strangler largely persists today. Well, would you, where you live, we won't yeah. say, but... If there were like 40 murders in that area, would you rather think, okay, this is one person and if we catch this one person, we'll all be so much safer? Or are you like, oh my God, there's 40 fucking maniacs running around. So of course I can see how people want to grab on to just, if we catch this one bad guy, like, you know, we'll all be fine. Yeah. And I think it being the 60s, obviously factored in because serial killer the term wasn't even a thing that yet. wasn't a thing yet um so yeah i mean it it all makes sense mm-hmm. if you look at it in historical context mm-hmm. and obviously all of the judgment that i and probably we will continue to pass as we tell the story is definitely with the benefit of hindsight um and 60 years of sure forensics further, yeah, and dna and all further that stuff. information yeah. so there was a much discussed theory at the time that many of the victims were either recently released from a hospital or had some direct link to a hospital, but it okay. was largely treated like a hmm that's, kind of detail rather than a substantial that's clue. That's weird. Yeah. yeah. It was more of a that's weird than right. a clue. Like, this is this guy's hunting ground. Um, Why would it? Because it was the 60s and there was no such thing as a serial killer yet. Okay, but it's, 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 it's comparable actions. Yeah. So. Oh. Well, so now... Like I did for uh, our Canadian mass shooter asshole friend. Right. Uh, I'm going to go through uh, the names of all of the victims. There were 13 of them and give you very brief details on their age, manner of death, and location. Okay. So these are all of the ones that have been attributed to the Boston Strangler or Stranglers. Sir, this question mark. Anna Elsa Sesslers, 56. She was sexually assaulted with unknown objects and strangled with the belt on her bathrobe. Okay. She was found so on... intimate, but also what was available. Right. He didn't come in with a rope from her bathrobe. It was right. there. So right. he's just using what's right. there. So like opportunistic. Yes. <laughs> That's the word I was trying to yes. think. Yes. Uh, so she was found on June 14th, 1962 in her third floor apartment in the Fenway area of Boston. <laughs> yeah, climb up three flights of stairs. And then back down three Jesus flights Christ. of stairs. Okay. 
Next was Mary Mullen, 85. She died from a heart attack found on June 28th, 1962 in her apartment on Com Ave in Boston. Okay. In his confession, the guy who confessed to all this stuff claimed that she collapsed as he grabbed her to start attacking her and she just died. She got so scared that she... That she died. That's felony murder, man. Yep. Next was Nina Francis Nichols, 68, Mm -hmm. sexually assaulted and strangled with her nylon stockings. Again, okay, so... Those stockings become important. Mm-hmm. Found on June 30th, 1962, in her home also on Com Ave in okay. Boston, Commonwealth Ave. Next was Helen Elizabeth Blake, 65, sexually assaulted and strangled with her nylon stockings. Found on June 30th, 1962, the same day so... as Nina Nichols was. Okay, so I mean. In her home in Lynn, Massachusetts, which is 11 miles north of the city. But because of traffic and because of ridiculous Boston roads, it would take you about 45 minutes to get there. Even in the 60s, though? Probably not in the 60s. Okay. Probably without traffic, it's like a 10-minute thing. But with traffic, okay, it's Okay, so but as, so far, yeah. so far, aside from this outlier of the 85-year-olds, yep. they're all about the same age. He's using weapons of opportunity. Yep. And there's strangulation. Yep. So these are all very similar. Yeah. Again, similar, you know, the old lady, I mean, maybe he was trying and then boop, she just uh, died of fright, you know. Next was Ida Erga, 74, Mm -hmm. sexually assaulted and strangled, manually strangled. Okay. Found on August 19th, 1962, in her apartment in Beacon Hill, which is a neighborhood in Boston. Okay. Jane Buckley Sullivan, 67, sexually assaulted and strangled with her nylon stockings. Did they, and you may not know, swab these women or take samples uh, rape kit we'll samples get so that not routinely no not in the 60s okay um, she was found on August 21st 1962 in her home in Dorchester which is a neighborhood in Dorchester. the south of Boston yes <laughs> I, I try to be clarifying with all the geography here because I know because you know I'm terrible with it yeah Thank well you. plus if I just say Dorchester, anybody who is not from here doesn't know that that is Boston. Right. You know, it's a neighborhood of Boston. Next was Sophie Clark, who was 20. Okay. Sexually assaulted and strangled with her nylon stockings. Found on December so 5th. So this guy's got a, a nylon or foot fetish type something going on. Well, we'll, we'll see. Um, she was found on December 5th, 1962, in her apartment on Huntington Ave in the Fenway area again. Okay. Can I ask you a dumb yep. question? Yeah. Was Fenway Park, was it a baseball stadium? Like, was it Fenway, oh, yeah. was they there in the They built the stadium in like 1911 or something. Okay. Yeah, no, I knew the that. The park Why is named after. I ask you that? I knew that. Yeah, the park is named after the area of the city. Oh, no, I asked you that. Well, Ooh, not, guys, just forget about everything I just said. Because <laughs> I knew that. Yeah, because you're not from there. It's I know. Fine. Next was Patricia Jane Bullock Bissett, 22. Okay. Strangled with her nylon stockings. Okay. Found less than a month later on December 31st, 1962 in her home, also in the Fenway area. So we have now Dorchester, Lynn, one Fenway back in June, Mm -hmm. two on Com Ave in the city proper. All of them were over the age of 50. Most of them were over the age of 60. Right. Now we have two 20-year-olds back in the Fenway area 
uh, less than a month apart. Mm-hmm. Next, Marianne Brown, 69. So now we're back. Okay, on we're the, back to, yeah. yep. Raped, strangled, beaten, and stabbed. Jesus Christ. Found on March 6th, 1963, in her apartment in Lawrence, Massachusetts, 30 miles north and over an hour away from the city. Okay. Beverly Sammons. Mm. Yep. No, I'm just thinking it's out of the sort of this very tight little area. Right. And also this is sort of meandering out of this ML that we're seeing in some of these other things. So it could be that someone else is hiding under this blanket umbrella of I can get away with crimes because this is happening. You skipped ahead to my theory. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Okay, we have very similar thought processes. We do. Uh, so Beverly Sammons, twenty six, stabbed to death. That's it. Found on May 6, nineteen sixty three. No sex assault. Nope. Okay. In her home, in Cambridge, also a neighborhood in Boston, which is on the west side of mm-hmm. Boston, more inland. Marie Evelina Corbin, fifty eight, raped and strangled with hurt. Nylon Okay. Found on September eighth, nineteen sixty three. In her house in Salem, 17 miles north oh, of Boston. Oh, boy. Okay, yeah. Well, that's 17 is not, you know. Again, 70 like, like, like miles. Lynn, close in proximity, again, adjusting for 60 traffic and whatever. Sure. It's still not easy to get Right. To. It's still a, a bit of a hike. Yeah. Joanne Marie Graf, 22. Again, now we're back on the low end oh, of the Jojo. age range. Strangled with her nylon stockings. Mm-hmm. This is why I don't wear nylon, man. <laughs> <laughs> Found on November 23rd, 1963, in her apartment back in Lawrence, Massachusetts. Okay. Which is the 30 miles mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. And the final victim attributed to the Boston Strangler was Marianne Sullivan, who was only 19, the youngest of these, sexually assaulted and strangled with nylon stockings. Found on January 4th, 1964, in her apartment on Charles Street in Boston. Boston. At the time, the murders of Margaret Davis, who was 60, in Roxbury, also a neighborhood in the southwest of Boston, and Cheryl Laird, who was 14, in Lawrence, were also attributed to the Strangler, but later discovered to be completely unrelated. So those are the victims and the details, but now we can talk... Quickly, about the most famous name associated with the case, Albert DeSalvo. Okay. On October 27th, 1964, a man posed as a detective to trick his way into a woman's apartment. He tied the victim to her bed, sexually assaulted her, and suddenly left, saying, I'm sorry, as he went. I don't know. Sorry, no time for the old in-out love. I just have to, I'm just here to read the meter, and then he fucks off? Eat some yes. eggy wags and gets the fuck out of here? Which... We'll talk about it, but just that alone, leaving a victim alive, as he left any of these other women alive, why did he leave her alive? And then to be like, sorry. Yeah, and why would he have any remorse Yeah, like you've clearly it? got remorse somehow. Yeah. He killed a 19-year-old, he killed an 85-year-old right. by like scaring her to death. Right. You're now suddenly sorry? Right. Uh, okay. Right. It sounds a little off the beaten path. Right. The woman's description of her attacker led police to identify the assailant as... DeSalvo. Okay. When his photo was published, many women identified him as the man who had assaulted them as oh, well. Oh, shit. Okay. 
obviously not any of these murder victims because well, they day. So it's not to say that DeSalvo is just out there and all of a sudden he gets this urge to confess. He's right. obviously a bad dude. He's sure. out there doing sex crimes at the very least. Right. Earlier on October. I wonder if he said sorry to, to everybody. All yeah. of them? I, like. I don't know. Or just like the first one, he yeah. was like, shit, I can't believe I just actually did that. Yeah. And then he was like, well, got that out of my system. Now I can do it with no remorse. Like, <laughs> right. Earlier, on October 27th, DeSalvo had posed as a driver with car trouble and attempted to Mm-mm. enter a home Mm-mm. in Bridgewater, Mm-mm. which is 30 miles south of Boston. Mm-mm. The homeowner happens to be future Brockton police chief Richard Sprules. Oh. Brockton's only eight miles from Bridgewater. And... Uh, good old future police chief Dick became suspicious and eventually fired a shotgun at DeSalvo. Oh my scaring, God! Scaring him off. <laughs> well, how about how about don't what the fuck? Yeah. How about don't shoot a shotgun in his general area because you think he might be sketchy? Yeah. But maybe. I mean, oh, question you know. him or call in the cavalry and be like, I don't know, this guy's got some fucking bullshit but going this on. This is a cop in the 60s. I'm just going to shoot my gun and hope he yeah. runs away. I mean, like Mounties are firing indiscriminately uh, into clouds don't, now. Don't so. you bring up. I'm telling you, yeah. get the moose. Put him to good use. Yeah. So what led DeSalvo to being considered the main suspect was his own mouth. He started oh. confessing like there was no tomorrow. <sighs> Shut the fuck up. Well, don't. I mean, but, well, right. you know. But also... Shut the fuck up because you're taking attention away from the actual perpetrator or perpetrators. Uh, So after he was arrested and charged with rape, he started confessing to other crimes to his fellow inmate, a wonderful fellow by the name of George Nasser. No, no. He was a murderer. He was a real piece of shit. However, Nasser happened to have F. Lee Bailey as his lawyer and Bailey quickly took on DeSalvo as a client as well. In his confessions, the police were impressed by DeSalvo's descriptions of the crime scenes. Mm-hmm. But honestly, he lucked into a lot of the detail. If I'm, you know, if I'm looking at it dispassionately. Were they releasing information back then well, into the papers? Like, they were strangled with their nylons. And he's like, oh, by the way, I totally strangled them with their nylons. Like, well, or was he giving details that nobody knew? Well, mm-hmm. both. Oh. Bailey said that DeSalvo got one detail right that even one of the victims was wrong about. Give me what? DeSalvo described a blue chair in the woman's living room. She said it was brown. And then photos of the crime scene proved that DeSalvo was right. Mm-hmm. She just went through a trauma. Yeah. I have a brown chair. Yeah. I remember there was a blue chair. Also, maybe. Maybe she's colorblind. Yeah. You ever think about that? Also. I know it's mostly men, but. Yeah. But also, it's not like a neon orange chair. Right. It's a blue. blue chair, right? It's it's common. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he got it right, I don't put a whole lot of. of I mean, raise your hand if it. you've ever had a blue recliner back yeah. in the eighties. I mean, yeah. hi, raise your hand. Like my mom still does. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I guess this was enough to convince Bailey, who was steadfast Buckley in his Buckley Bailey. Well, he was steadfast in his belief that DeSalvo was the Boston Strangler until he, all the way up until he died last year. Cool. Bailey. Uh, a quick aside, if you're into true crime and don't recognize the name F. Lee Bailey, you definitely know the cases he was involved in. Yeah. He was Sam Shepard's lawyer for his second murder trial, the surgeon who was accused of killing his wife, and obviously DeSalvo. 
He represented Patty Hearst for her <laughs> bank robbery after her time with the this SLA. This guy was just like an ambulance chaser. I think he's just like a fame chaser. He just wanted these big names. Oh, you betcha, because yeah. just wait till I get to the last one in this okay, list. Right. He also represented the army captain at the center of the My Lai Massacre, a Vietnamese war atrocity, uh, which if you don't know about that, holy shit. If you're looking to look at man's inhumanity to man, like look into the My Lai Massacre. Maybe one day we do a two-parter or something on that. God. I mean, if you want... If you want to be bored by the detail of history that I can get into, because that's how, like into history I am yeah. we'll definitely do a My Life Massacre one well uh, don't tell our audience that they're gonna be bored Michael and they're not gonna listen <laughs> but if you would know F. Lee Bailey from anywhere you would know it is because he was part of the dream team that represented O.J. Simpson Disgrazia yeah who obviously killed his wife right okay back to DeSalvo there was no physical evidence at the time that could corroborate any of what DeSalvo was confessing to so he was tried and convicted for other robbery and sexual assault mm-hmm. offenses that they definitely had eyewitness testimony and all this other shit. He was sentenced to life in prison in 1967 for that stuff. But in February of that year, he and two other inmates escaped from Bridgewater State Hospital, which uh, has its own fraught history. Mm-hmm. A note was found on his bunk addressed to the superintendent. In it, DeSalvo stated that he had escaped to focus attention on the conditions in the hospital. And, his, <laughs> and, and of course, his own situation. Mm-hmm. You know. Immediately after his escape, DeSalvo disguised himself, and this is such a random, specific detail, yeah. as a U.S. Navy petty officer third class. <laughs> Not first class, Maybe second class. Maybe he thought... Since it's because it's third class, like a lower rank than first class. I don't know how that shit works. I don't know which direction. It but goes like in, maybe but... if it's like a lower rank. Yeah. Hey, is anybody in the military? Can you like let us know yeah. how the ranks go? Because to... it doesn't stick in my head. That and like uh, I was going to say that and the time change yeah. and like conversions of fractions just don't go in. You can tell me all you want. Doesn't stick. So if you know, but maybe he thought. Yeah, we'll get less. Scrutiny. It's a, yeah, we'll less scrutiny. He's just board. like a yeah. scrub, basically. Yeah. I was going to say, I would ask my dad, but this was the Navy hierarchy, and he was only in the Coast Guard. So. Right. The baby Navy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the Robbie Navy's Bobby. little brother. How dare you besmirch my beloved yeah. Robbie Bobby. And apologies to anybody who actually does serve in the, uh, in the, in the Coast Guard. <laughs> we that's, just use it as yeah, an excuse to bust on yeah. Mike's dad. After the uh, – oh, sorry. So he disguised himself as this uh, Navy officer, but then gave himself up the next day. <laughs> <laughs> what? He only pulled the ruse for one day? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So really the kind of guy who could go on a two-year killing spree, crisscrossing the state, basically. Yeah. I don't know about all that. After after the escape, he was transferred to the maximum security Walpole State Prison. Still there. Drive by it quite regularly. Yep. Six years after. That's not a place you want to. No. Be? Uh, Wait, is Walpole where fucking, like... Whitey Bulger is that the, is that the whole because I feel like I've seen a movie and they just kept saying Walpole Walpole yeah. was it was I mean, it the town was it the town that they kept talking about Walpole I think so probably yeah um, was that where he was yes okay yeah I uh, I'm very close to Walpole oh boy uh, six years after the transfer he was found stabbed to death in the prison infirmary his killer or killers yep. were never identified well okay I mean that Okay, it yeah. happens, it happens, it happens. It's not that it's good, but it happens. Yeah. So, 
given the very details of the victims, yep. the wide area of the crimes, and DeSalvo himself, yep. do you think he is the no. Boston Strangler? No. A Boston Strangler? No. Or just an opportunist, opportunist, opportunist. who wanted to take credit? Okay. Opportunist. Me too. Okay. At the time of his confession, people who knew him personally did not believe him capable of such crimes. Well, he sounds like he can't hang on to a story for more than 24 yeah. hours, so how is he going to pull this fucking shit off? Yeah. Nobody who knew him said he was a good guy, but the heinousness and and how vicious these crimes were didn't quite match with what they thought he was capable okay, of. Okay, but if you're also creating like this whole ass persona to try to hide your real self it's and true. you can't maintain it for more than 24 hours, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, shit's probably going to go left at some point. <laughs> It's fun trying to pretend to be in the Navy, but boy, is this uniform itchy. I'm just going to go back or to Or like, prison. I don't even know naval terms, yeah. man. Like, I mean. Which one's port? Which one's starboard? Where's aft? You know what I mean? I don't know. Is it back or front? I, be- I believe. Who's starboard is like one of the sides. Stern, I think, is front. Aft, aft. is back. And then port, I think, is left. And starboard starboard's is right. right, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, famed FBI profilers, Robert Ressler and John Douglas, both doubt DeSalvo was the serial killer type. Mm -hmm. If those names don't sound familiar, but kind of sound familiar, they're the mind hunters, basically. Uh, John Douglas is the guy who wrote the book titled Mind Hunters. Mm -hmm. Um, Also a great show on um, Netflix. Netflix. Douglas even labeled him as a, quote, power assurance motivated rapist. He said that such a rapist is unlikely to kill in the manner of crimes attributed to the Boston Strangler, a power assurance motivated rapist would, however, be prone to taking credit for the crimes. Okay. So that's sort of his weird fetish. Is he, I don't want to say he doesn't have the balls to commit crimes because yeah. that sounds like right. you should have the balls to commit crimes. Yeah. But doesn't have it in him to commit these crimes, but is so in need of like some type of validation, like right. external validation right. that he will literally put himself in danger. Good or bad. He'll. He wants attention. No attention is yeah. bad to, uh, attention, right. Right? right? No publicity is bad publicity right. kind of thing. Right. So. If mommy and daddy are yelling at me, at least they're paying attention. Right. Right. And again, I don't worship at the altar of, of John Douglas or anything, but this makes a lot of sense to me. This tracks behavioral patterns. Right. And, and, it's very logical. And again, things that you want to get away with, you're going to repeat the stuff that worked. Right. Or let's not even put it in that arena. Things you want to continue to be successful at. You're going to adapt. Yeah. Look how superstitious like baseball players are. They wear the same socks for every game because they hit a home run when they wore the socks right. the last time. Like, Which is foolish. but Yeah. But there's there's a certain level of, of pattern recognition and, and just safety that I think a lot of humans want to hang on to regardless of the situation they find themselves mm-hmm. in. So. Yeah, could there be just like a buck wild serial killer out there who's just doing whatever the hell he wants? Sure, but it just makes a lot more sense to me that there would be some sort of pattern to yeah. hold on to. Yeah. In the year 2000, an SNL reference. It was back before you were born, Mike. Because he's just a baby. In the year 2000, attorney and former journalist Elaine Sharp started working on behalf of the DeSalvo family and the family of Mary Sullivan. Sullivan was publicized as being the final victim in 1964. She was working on behalf of both of them? Yes. Although, other strangling murders occurred after this Mary Sullivan. Was, was picked up? Yep. Okay. Weird. So weird how that happens, yeah. man. Sharp assisted the families in their media campaign to clear DeSalvo's name. 
Now, so okay, so was she only, working with the family and DeSalvo because these members did not believe that the right man was in jail for these crimes? Correct. Okay, that they makes more sense. They weren't trying to say DeSalvo <laughs> isn't a creep. Right. They weren't saying DeSalvo was innocent right. or anything. He just wasn't this, this guy. This guy. Okay. So there still has yet to be justice for any of these victims. Right. Okay. It would take over a decade, but the opposite would actually come to be true. On July 11th, 2013, the BPD announced that they had found DNA evidence that linked DeSalvo to the murder of Mary Sullivan. Ooh, motherfucker. Murder might be much. However, it does seem kind of likely. Okay. DNA found at the scene was a, quote, near certain match to Y DNA taken from a nephew of DeSalvo. Now, Y DNA is passed through the direct male lines with little change and can be used to link males with a common paternal line ancestor. Okay. So, so you, your uncle, dad, your dad, dad, your yeah. cousin maybe, like well, a nephew. As like long, a, as, like as, a long nephew. as it rolls up to like the same grandfather, <laughs> right. then yes, we should have very similar Y DNA. Okay. The Y chromosome. Sure. A court ordered the exhumation of DeSalvo's corpse to test his DNA directly. And on July 19th, 2013, the Suffolk County DA, the Massachusetts Attorney General... And the Boston Police Commissioner announced that the DNA test result proved DeSalvo was the source of seminal fluid recovered at the scene of Sullivan's 1964 murder. Okay. Did now, did they, like I asked you at the top, take swabs so that they could definitively say, he did this one, this one, and this one. These two are different. Like, do you know what I'm saying? But enough. you said not Not all of them, consistent. not enough. Right. So they had it for her. Could they go back and do the rest? I mean, at this point, all of those samples, even in 2000 or 2013 when they were doing this, do you, you think they would imagine, be degraded, or do you, you have think... to imagine they would be too too degraded? They'd have to exhume those bodies. They'd have to. I mean, how they stored Mary Sullivan's, I don't know. I don't think necessarily the others were were kept in. Let same. me ask you this. Yeah. As a personal question. Yeah. Because you're Jewish, your family's Jewish. Yeah. Let's say someone murked your bubby. Yeah. We don't, don't know who did one, it. Well, you know, okay, but well, <laughs> yeah. you did at one point. We don't have one. Never, never did. I was born after they were dead. But continue. We get the thought exercise. You have one though. Yeah. She existed. Right. <clears throat> she gets killed, right? Yeah. Even before you were born, whatever. You're in charge of the family now because your parents are getting older. Whatever. Uh, they didn't know who did it. Now all of a sudden, with technology, yeah, something else comes up similar, mm-hmm. and they go, "Could have been also Michael's bubby, right?" Yeah. yeah. Are you mm-hmm. as a Jewish? Man, and I know you don't fully practice and stuff like that, but you're representing your family, exhuming that body in order to determine. As, as me, yes. As as a person who would your family stand behind that? Yeah, if there was if there was a real, I don't want to say passion, but if there was a real connection to Judaism, it would be difficult. Yeah, for somebody in that position to do that um, because there is. Don't disturb the body. The right. bodies need to be buried whole. They need to be right. untouched and, and all of these things. So it would be ch- a challenge to a practicing Jew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's find out the truth. Yeah, Dig okay. them up. But that's yeah. just me. I you know. I also didn't know because what the heck, I forget what I was watching and I, I called you and I was like, oh, Mike, I got to ask you this, que- this question about like Jewish stuff. And you were like, what? And I was like, um, this guy lady whatever got murdered was like a documentary the oh the wife mm-hmm. right she mysteriously dies in the bathtub which is not a thing Whoops. and 
there's some blood and some viscera in the water, which we don't have to get into. Yeah. While the cops are standing outside of this apartment, mm-hmm. the the rabbi, yeah. family rabbi comes and takes all of it, yeah. all of it yep. away, mm-hmm. even like the bloody water. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. And I didn't know that that yeah. was a thing. Like, yeah, and I even said to you, not to be crude, what if somebody blows your fucking brain out mm-hmm. and then there's little bits yep. of brain matter all over the wall, tiny, tiny specks. Are you really supposed yes. to go in there and take every single little dot off the wall? Yes, because that is... I had no yeah. idea about that. Jews need to be buried as intact as is possible. Yeah. Uh, and Which I think is lovely. Yeah. But that's why cremation isn't a thing for Jews and, and all of that, because the body needs to be as intact as possible. The integrity of the body needs right. to be maintained, which is why uh, it's cultural, mostly because of the Holocaust, uh, but it's why tattoos are kind of frowned upon in, in Jewish community. Right. Um, because it sullies the body and all that kind right. of stuff. Right. Culturally, obviously, the Holocaust and tattoos have their own sure. you know, yeah. history and whatever. Right. But um, yeah, the other side of, of Judaism is you have to get them in the ground as quickly as possible. There is so, no waiting period. So, there is no. Do, so is autopsy generally a thing or is it more like we're just going to accept what they say and we're going to get the body interred immediately? I mean, in a, in a cloistered Orthodox community, there would probably never be an autopsy. Oh, wow. Okay. I think the state may override some certain things in, in more that of a public. That must get sticky, though. Yeah, I'm sure. When it comes yeah. to government versus your religion. Yeah, I mean, they can't, they're technically not supposed to infringe upon it. Right. And it is like a thousands of years right. old right. thing. It's not like And a, you just come up with it yeah. last week. <laughs> oh, we, we did some rereading of the Torah. Yeah. And it actually says that all Jews are entitled to the newest iPhone every yeah, year. It's weird. weird. I don't know. But. Well, you guys do control media. And <laughs> yeah, well, you got those space lasers. So, I mean. Yeah, so it's not like one of those things where the government right. could be like, give me a break here. Right. But, you know, it's, I don't know. I would actually. That's now, pretty interesting. That's curious. interesting now to think. Yeah. To look into it more. Yeah. Um, so. You're welcome. All of this, all this proves is that DeSalvo was involved in the Mary Sullivan case mm-hmm. in some way. Mm-hmm. He had sex with her. If you remember, Mary was just 19, and the majority of the other Strangler victims were in their mid-50s mm-hmm. and older. Yep. Just because the case was lumped in with the others at the time doesn't mean it or DeSalvo have anything to do with the other murders. Was she... She was raped and left alive, or was she... No. She was Mary raped Sullivan and murdered. was killed. She was, like, stabbed... You said she was the one that was beaten, stabbed, and all that? Nope. She was sexually assaulted and strangled with stockings. Um, the one that was okay. uh, beaten and stabbed was Marianne Brown, who was 69. She died in 1963, but she was one of the Lawrence victims, 30 miles from, from Boston. Yeah. That one seems, out of all of them, the least likely to fit. So, let me ask you this. Yeah. Do you think DeSalvo yeah. was the one committing all these stalking crimes? No. Or do you think... That there were these stalking crimes, and he maybe committed some of these other ones, and then thought, "Wait a second! If I throw in the nylons, they're gonna pin it on this other guy." I don't know how many others <clears throat> were out there committing murders at the time. Okay, but the vague similarities between the victims, but the imprecise mo that a quote traditional serial killer would have had, 
My theory has always been that there are probably at least two copycats operating the area at the same time. Two copycats and, and the, the strangler. Yes. Okay. Because um, the stabbing, the, the yeah. strangling someone and stabbing someone and very beating different. them to death, very different. Very different. And so that one sticks out like a sore thumb. That could be one outlier. Yeah. Right? right. Because the other ones weren't all stabbed and all beaten right. and stuff. So that might be one other random dude. One thing that I have really, I have no basis <clears throat> for, I think DeSalvo may have known the Boston Strangler. Hmm. And that's how he got some of these details. He may have been with him, with Mary Sullivan. Interesting. I have no basis for that. But but you did say DeSalvo. He had details. Was sort of like a robber. Yeah. So maybe yeah. he, I don't know why my voice is doing this, and I'll stop now. Um, maybe he knew this other guy. He said, hey, it's me, right? I'm DeSalvo. Hey, Mike. Yeah. Uh, I've been like robbing these fucking people. and It's going really well. Yeah. You want to c- come? We'll make a shitload of money. Yeah. Whatever. Right. You know, you come with me. All of a sudden, things go, you go fucking bananas. Right. You know, strangle this lady, yeah. and I'm like, uh, "Excuse me, <laughs> I'm a robber." Yeah. But then I'm like, "Oh, yeah, mm, maybe I didn't realize I, yes, you know, but, whatever." Yes, but Mary right? Sullivan was quote unquote last, so it's not like he got a taste for it after that. Um, but maybe he was in on yeah from the beginning, and yeah. like he brought the other guy in like as to do to do robberies, like yeah. as a co-conspirator, right? And then shit just started getting fucking crazy. Right. So for those keeping track, I personally think DeSalvo was definitely, obviously, raping women at the time. I mean, right. he was tried and convicted for that, so that's not even an opinion. And he was obviously involved in Mary Sullivan's death. In some way, shape, or in form. In some way. But I think there was a real Boston Strangler operating in the city proper, probably one in Lynn and probably one in Lawrence. And anyone outside of those areas... Probably the Roxbury one. Well, obviously the Roxbury one that got thrown out at the time as being lumped in with this. Um, maybe even Dorchester. Some of the like neighborhood ones that mm-hmm. weren't in the city of Boston itself, right. the Fenway area or on Com Ave mm-hmm. in, in Boston. I think those two were the copycats. And then DeSalvo was going south. We have other stories of him in Bridgewater and Brockton and and places like that which are south lawrence is way north right by comparison so so you think there was somebody in boston proper yeah and then you think there was three you're saying well if you're counting to salvo i think there was somebody in boston i think there were two others okay. and then and also then DeSalvo. also to salvo yeah mm. i think maybe there was one in boston proper yeah and maybe to salvo and one of these other guys were yeah working together under this sort of umbrella. But there, I don't think that it was one, certainly not one, at least two right. and possibly potentially more. Right. And you asked <clears throat> earlier if the, if the police were releasing details. Yes and no. Just like today, they were withholding certain things. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, for some stupid reason, the color of that chair. Right, um, right. But that's why, again, I have no basis for it. And a lot of the details that they're like, oh, my God, that's bang on, are things that you could just luck into. Mm-hmm. But it also gives me pause to think that maybe he knew this person. Yeah. Maybe and they were even related. Who knows? Yeah. Could have been related. Yeah. Could have been friends from right. childhood, some bullshit. And that's why he... And maybe after... Maybe that's why he was taking the rap. I mean... Could be. 
Uh, it's it not. Also could be why he was killed in prison because he's like, I've been in maximum security for six years. I didn't think it was going to be this bad. I was in a hospital before. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was this bad. I'm going to flip. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell the real story. Mm-hmm. No, you're not. See you yep. later. But so, could have been why he took took the rap for some of this stuff. Right. So there's, you know, there's stuff that we don't Maybe know and we'll never know. Maybe he's protecting a lover. Who knows? Yeah. Could be. There may have been more. There may have been less. But that's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> and that was the story of the Boston Strangler. Well, shit, Mike. You know, I fucking have missed you to the point of like, I felt like one of my limbs were cut off. Oh, what do we say? Oh, <laughs> oh, we're, no. we're four limbs to the same animal. Nah. Yeah. That was one detail that I never came across in any of my research for the Sarah Lawrence uh, story. But pretty early on in the first episode of, of the documentary series uh they're interviewing raven was it yeah. maybe one of the sloan of nine one of the only yeah. people that had any sense and got the fuck out of there i'm like this guy's a gagoots like yeah. get out of here yeah. with this fucking guy but she said that friend group became so close they were like one animal they were all like one limb of, of the same animal or yeah like some yeah. something some shit like that let's all relax let's relax bit. guys <sighs> michael well, fuck DeSalvo. I mean, that's first yeah, and that's, foremost. That's uncontroversial whether he just was a bad guy regardless. So fuck him. Right, right. And these other guys, you know, I don't want to say get your own crimes, but <laughs> like Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. Don't be hiding behind other people, because, well, for me, then there's no justice, and right, no justice makes me so on edge, as we all know, Michael. Sure does. Well, I think the moral of the story is don't do crimes. Stay the fuck out of Boston. Uh, well, yeah, that's it. Oh, because totally irrelevant detail, yeah. but I contracted COVID by spending two hours in Boston. <laughs> the first time I had gone into the city yeah. in three years right. since it started. Right. Actually, bought, I, in Cambridge was one of the last places I went before the outbreak proper started, right. let alone before lockdown. So I, I had to go back and I spent less than guys so michael's (laughs) so michael's job got this brilliant idea to get a bunch of people together for a meeting that could clearly be done on zoom from the comfort of everyone's home or their own office whatever to go into boston into a hotel which is one of the dirtiest places you could go into like a conference room i'm guessing poor mike yeah was like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. I have a really bad feeling about this. Sanitized himself up. Double masked. Double masked. Stayed well away from everybody, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. Like, as more like, I'll could, stand yeah. in the corner and you guys can sit at the tables. Yep. And still, yep. and yet, yeah. got COVID. I got there late because of <laughs> and You traffic. were texting me going, yeah. oh my God, I can't find this fucking place. I can't find a parking spot. Yeah. I'm already fucking late. Yeah. This is bullshit. I don't even want to be, I'm not even supposed to be here today. Yeah. That's a clerk's reference for all of you people. And then texting me <laughs> while you're in there going, <laughs> they're doing trust exercises, <laughs> which for you is a fucking living nightmare. Yeah, so I. And then before lunch, you were like, I think I'm getting the fuck out yeah. of here. yeah. So you've so, been there for like an hour and a half. Yeah, so I showed up late, <laughs> uh, had to sit through a, uh, not to correct you, it wasn't trust action. Oh, it was an icebreaker. It was a rock, paper, scissors <laughs> tournament. <laughs> I forgot about that. Icebreaker. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Rock, paper, scissors tournament. You fucking scissor this, kid. Um, I'm not doing rock, paper, scissors. And then they broke for lunch. And I said, you know what? I think I'm going to fucking dip. Yeah, goodbye. Yeah. Um, Ciao. Cost me $31 to park <laughs> for that short amount of time. I didn't even, because I got sick and because I had left the parking receipt in my car and was really feeling too sick to even go out to my car to get the receipt, yeah. I missed the deadline to submit <laughs> for reimbursement. <laughs> you didn't tell me yeah. that. So, so it cost me $31. To About go, a month of COVID. Yeah. It cost me $31 to go into the city yeah. for an hour and a half <laughs> and then a month of COVID. And drive for like almost four hours yeah. by the time you got there back home. Yeah. So. Oh, Mike. You know. Oh, God, if I missed you, buddy. Yeah. So stay out of the city, I, I guess, is good I fucking advice. love you, kid. Yeah. Well, everybody. Follow us on Instagram. Yes. MAF Podcast Show. Email us. MAF Podcast Show at gmail.com. Yep. Uh, yep. We got the old YouTube. Yeah. YouTube as well. Murder Monk's Friends podcast. Uh, and we're making a change. Yes. Michael, as we know, <laughs> is the hero of the show. He does everything. I barely do anything. <laughs> and so it's Other not... Bring life and personality well, to the Well, thank you for saying that. But I think we all know who the star is. Um, and so we're going to release every other week. Yep. To give Michael a break, it's not fair for him to have all this pressure. And well, I basically just be myself yeah so. obviously uh covid threw things for a loop but right. uh doing 40 episodes in a year on top of a full-time yeah. job was challenge a lot for you yeah. because you do yeah. basically everything yeah. so and uh, you know it's not it's not super fair the, the 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 level of the burden that it puts on the percentage is very askew yeah, it's so, like eighty five fifteen, yeah. and I know that. And so, yeah, we're so, gonna make a change. Give Mikey a break. Yeah, we'll just do it a little more, <laughs> a little more planned out, a little more thoughtful mm-hmm. here. Maybe uh, do a couple more two parters so I can kind of front load research and right. then do a recording and then kind of take my time with with editing and making uh, the clips and everything else. But you know, that's behind the scenes stuff that you don't need to worry about. Just look at Apple Podcasts and Spotify every other week. Uh, starting with this episode and uh we'll be on schedule (laughs) well michael i love you so much you are my platonic hetero soulmate life partner and i'm so glad to have you back yes welcome back baby thanks for having me i love you zadie and everybody else stay out of boston stay out of boston guys you're gonna get fucking murk goodbye goodbye